Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back. Tim Lacombe sitting in for Gordon today. Jake Scott hanging out with you as well. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated coming up here momentarily, your NBA Daily Assist. And there's a lot of news out there we've got to ask Chris about. There was a big write-up from Sports Illustrated, a big feature about Rich Paul which I thought was good. I would encourage anybody to read it. He's, he's definitely your quintessential agent-type personality. I mean, he's kind of got that. He's a salesman, right? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what agents do, and it definitely his, comes off uh, that way. With his client's best interest at heart. Right, and each client separately, which was a, what, a theme of the article. Right. He's not, a, he's not trying to get Anthony Davis on the Lakers because of LeBron. It's because it's what's best for Anthony Davis. Of course. Come on. Of course. And, and even can, uh, compared the Lakers to J-Lo, which was interesting enough. But uh, And we'll ask Chris about this. He had some comments about uh, Anthony Davis and Boston as well. But uh, joining us now, he writes for Sports Illustrated. He's the one and only Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, want to get into this uh, Anthony Davis and free agent stuff uh, here in a minute, but wanted to get your thoughts about the NBA Finals, certainly, what we saw in in Game 5 and uh, what a heck of a game it was. Yeah, I mean, credit the Warriors, you know, for, you know, first of all, they're down 3-1 and to, to have kind of the mental toughness to rally, you know, to win a game like that is one thing, but to, to watch your, your star who so much has been, has been talked about in the last you know few days and few weeks about his return and you know how healthy was he and why wasn't he back on the floor to watch him go down with an injury that everybody knew the severity of when it happened and to still be able to kind of rise to the occasion overcome uh, Kawhi Leonard onslaught and and show the you know you hate to use the phrase heart of a champion but it's kind of what it was um, it was really impressive and look I think they've positioned themselves well to to put a lot of pressure on Toronto. I mean, the Raptors still have two games to win one. One of those games is going to be on their home floor if this goes to a game seven. But if Golden State can pull out another win tonight at Oracle, the last game we'll ever see at Oracle, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna put a ton of pressure on that Raptors team. I mean, Golden State's been there before in game sevens. They've won some, they've lost some, but they're the team with experience, even if they would have to try to win it on the road. Chris, uh, what is Tim Lacombe, by the way, sitting in for Gordon? Um, what uh, what's the what's your take? I mean, who do you, who do you think wins tomorrow? You know, I I lean towards Golden State here, and I know that they lost two games at Oracle before, but I think that the Durant injury, in a way, can become a rallying cry for them, and can become a positive in the sense that it can serve as extra motivation. Now, they'll clearly miss Durant on the floor, but they've been playing without him for the better part of of a month. And, you know, they're used to it, and they're as healthy now as they've been, you know, prior to the Durant injury. Clay Thompson looks more like his former self. Um, You know, they'll have that crowd behind them. Um, And and I think they're going to have some momentum coming off that that game uh, five win. You know, they made some shots. Steph Curry got it going. Uh, There's still some health issues with Kevon Looney. We don't know what he's going to look like. Um, But I I like the Warriors in this one. I think it'll be close. and I think it could come down to one shot or the other at the end. But I think Golden State at home, I, I take them. 
Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Chris, my ultimate question is, you, you know, how did the, the Durant injury affect what's going to happen in free agency? But but help me out with something, because I hear there's there's some people out there that are saying that Kevin Durant should pick up his option with the Warriors, and I just don't see any scenario where that would be the smart thing to do. Why why would he ever do that? Well, there's there's a couple of reasons. One, you you opt into that contract – and it gives you a chance to rehabilitate without any pressure whatsoever of playing next year. Now, if he went to, say, New York and signed with the Knicks, nobody would expect him to be back in the first half of the season or even until the tail end of the season. But imagine this scenario where the Knicks are either in a playoff fight or in the playoffs. I think there'll be some people, and and media certainly, clamoring in New York for Kevin Durant to play. Now, I don't know that he'd ever bow to any kind of pressure ever again, but if you come back into Golden State, you operate next year. It's a lost year. You're getting paid $31.5 million to do nothing, to just rehabilitate and not come back under any circumstances. Also, if you entered free agency completely healthy in the summer of 2020, you could follow that up with a four-year deal. And Kevin Durant in 2020 is going to be approaching 32 years old, a four-year deal might take him to the rest of his career. It's basically saying you could have a five-year deal without having to sign the five-year deal with Golden State. That, that's, that's the one way to look at it if you're thinking about signing with or opting into that contract. Now, I don't think he should because you never know how you recover from these injuries. And if Kevin Durant surveys the landscape and sees that, you know, his agent, Rich Kleiman, sees that the Knicks, the Nets, or whomever – are willing to offer a four-year max, which I do believe they will, uh, then you go take it uh, because you can't risk a setback. You can't risk potentially re-tearing it, and then who knows what kind of offer you get in 2020. As John Wall has proven, you take the bird in the hand. If the money is there and you're an injured player, you jump on it. Chris, uh, obviously Boston got a lot going on back there right now. Uh, Kyrie Irving opting out of his his situation with the Celtics. Uh, what, where do you think uh, Kyrie ends up if, if you had to uh, to kind of put some money on that thing? Where do you think he ends up? Well, I think the Durant injury shakes things up a little bit, as does the Celtics' uh, continued pursuit of Anthony Davis. I reported last week that the Celtics were not going to take their foot off the gas when it came to pursuing Anthony Davis. They were going to continue to pressure, uh, put a lot of pressure on New Orleans, make big offers. I didn't know and still don't know if they'll include Jason Tatum in that offer, but the Celtics look at Anthony Davis as being their best chance of retaining Kyrie Irving. And now, with Durant out of the picture, at least for one year, the Celtics can say to Kyrie, you come back, we get Anthony Davis, we're giving you a chance to get all your money, to play with one of your closest friends, and to be at the least a co-favorite to win the whole thing next year. And, and I think that will have some appeal to Kyrie Irving. Now, I don't know how strong the pull is to go back to New York. I don't know if he wants to play for the Nets. There's a lot of unknowns when it comes to Kyrie Irving, but I think the Celtics, they're doing everything they can with their pursuit of Anthony Davis to show Kyrie that, that Boston is the best situation for him financially and it's the best place he can win. 
Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, I was talking about uh, the profile of Rich Paul in your uh, your Sports Illustrated, which I, I really enjoyed, by the way. Uh, what is your take on him, his role in the NBA, his influence, the way he carries himself, and, and what he had to say about the Celtics in that profile? Well, look, all agents want to be power brokers. They want to have influence within organizations. And look, the influence of an agent is is not new at all. I mean, you know, David Falk had it for years when he had Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. Uh, the late Dan Fagan, he used to be a running joke how many guys Dan Fagan would get signed to the Mavericks um, at, at one point. So Rich Paul's power and, and him being able to use LeBron James to, to exert influence on what an organization does is just a continuation of that trend. Now, a fair critique, which Scott Price, the writer of that story, brought up, is when Rich Paul is trying to direct Anthony Davis to L.A., is he doing it for LeBron James, or is he doing it in the best interest of Anthony Davis? I think that's a fair question and still an open question. I mean, Anthony Davis has publicly said he just wants to win. Well, if he just wants to win, why is Rich Paul steering Davis so far away from Boston? I mean, I don't think you can argue that if Davis goes to Boston, Kyrie is there, Hayward is there, Al Horford is there. That's a pretty potent big four. I mean, that might be the best big four in the league, especially with Durant down for at least next season. So I think there's, 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 there's some conflicting, uh, conflicting stuff going on out, out there when it comes to you know, Rich Paul's interest. Now, Rich has said that he said the right things in that story, that you know, going to L.A., big market, you know, chance to succeed as a basketball player, and as, as everything that goes on off the court, that's all well and good. But I don't think you can overlook that LeBron's there. And, and, and LeBron is the backbone of Rich Paul's agency. Is he trying to help LeBron succeed late in his career? Or is he strictly looking out for Anthony Davis? That's the only thing that, that, that's unusual about the influence that Rich Paul has. Agents, as I said, do this all the time. There's a rich history of agents having influence within organizations because of their star clients. There's not as much history about something like this happening where you have a top five player in the NBA potentially being steered a direction uh, because of another client on that, of, of that agent. Chris, ever, uh, it's been well documented in the offseason has not been great to this point for, for the Lakers. Um, being in and around the league, you feel like there's, uh, there's any way that they can get that thing back on track uh, and get things going in the right direction. Well, they, they certainly can. I just don't know if they can do it with this current roster. And if they strike out on Anthony Davis, look, it's not the end of the world if they miss out on Davis because I do think there are other options out there for them. They'll still have cap space, and they can make significant offers to key players. They can try to lure Tobias Harris back to L.A. or Jimmy Butler or any of the other number of guys. Kemba Walker could be in that mix. And they could still make a significant deal. One player that – is not talked about much now, but will be talked about in the coming weeks, is Bradley Beal. You know, there, there still isn't, amazingly, a general manager in place in Washington, whether it's because they're waiting on Masai Ujiri or they're just not sure about Tommy Shepard, the current uh, assistant GM there. There is no GM in place in Washington. But once that GM uh, is settled on, I think the Wizards are going to open up the, the bidding for Bradley Beal just because the next couple of years – are not going to be very good with John Wall coming up an Achilles injury uh, of his own. And Bradley Beal is the type of player that the Lakers could get and could make a major impact. If they wind up with, say, Tobias Harris and Bradley Beal this offseason, I'm just throwing the Harris name out there because he's, he's going to be available. 
that's a pretty good offseason. And it gives LeBron at least the, the, the foundation for a team that will make the playoffs. And with that talent, and LeBron could make some noise in the playoffs. So right now, it, you're right, it hasn't been great, but uh, I still think the opportunity is there for them to succeed. Chris, it's pretty crazy. The draft is a week from tomorrow. Do you expect a lot of movement around the draft teams uh, posturing for free agency? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, you know, the, the Knicks and, and, and Lakers are are willing to part with those picks in exchange for an Anthony Davis type or a big deal that's out there. I think the, the Bulls at number seven are open for business on that pick. I don't think they want necessarily to get younger with a pick in that range that'd like to get an established player to help them make the playoffs next year. Uh, but it, it, it all comes down to, to you know draft night. I mean, there's a number of teams with multiple picks. Boston, I mean, what does Boston need three middle-of-the-pack first-round picks for? They don't. Uh, so th- that's something that uh, I think will be worth watching as well. But it, it's going to be a lot of chatter, certainly leading up to it. But you never know how much of that chatter will translate into deals. Uh, read an article today talking about, uh, you know, if Kyrie were to leave Boston and, and the name thrown out in, in the article I read was uh, was Mike Conley as a possibility to Boston. Uh, do you think that thing would have possibly have legs? Do you think he'd be a good fit? Uh, I mean, for the right price, I think it's a good fit. I thought Mike Conley had a terrific bounce back year uh, with the uh, with the Grizzlies this past season, coming off a lower leg injury of his own. His speed looked good. His offense looked sharp. He's never been the greatest defender in the world, but he was serviceable, I thought, for most of last season. He does have a lot of money owed to him, though. So if you're acquiring Mike Conley, I don't know if you're willing to give up a lot because that contract's going to gobble up your books for the next few years. But the Celtics, we all know their asset situation. They can trade multiple draft picks and, and even a young player or two in exchange from Mike Conley and and the Grizzlies, we all kind of know they're keyed in on John Morant. He's their point guard of the future. They don't really have a, a slot for Mike Conley anymore. I mean, I, I think they want to hand over the keys to John Morant next season, and to do that, you have to move Mike Conley off the roster. So, depending on what the Grizzlies are looking for, uh, I, I think that's a possibility if, if everything goes south in Boston. Chris, thank you so much as always. Enjoy the rest of the finals. We really appreciate it, man. All right, you got it, guys. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your NBA Daily Assist. And there's been lots of news out there today, Tim, about uh, Anthony Davis. Of course, we mentioned Rich Paul said uh, he will not be staying in Boston. They can trade for him all they want. He'll play out the year and then uh, go where he wants to go. Uh, But the Lakers and uh, Celtics are are rumored still to be in talks with the New Orleans Pelicans. But uh, apparently the Lakers package is is this. And tell me if you you like this deal for for the Pelicans. They would send uh, the four-pick in the upcoming draft, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And they would actually have to bring in a third team to make it work, so obviously that wouldn't be the deal in and of itself. But I I think you could do better than Ingram and Ball. And apparently the Lakers are holding out Kuzma. They don't want to trade Kyle Kuzma as part of the deal. Yeah, for me, that's the name that I, I think I would hold out for uh, as, as opposed to one of the other two. Um, I'm not a huge Lonzo Ball guy personally, uh, and all the stuff that he brings with his situation. But uh, I think Kuzma would be actually a really good piece, and you would be getting something, a young guy that you could, you know, have a chance to kind of build with and build around. 
Yeah, not a surprise. I think the Lakers want to keep him as opposed to Ingram, who's got those blood clot issues, which are scary, by the way, which would be some risk in in trading for him. I'm with you on Lonzo. It gets back to why would you draft a point guard who can't shoot? It's what's going to limit Ben Simmons, too. I mean, he can distribute, and he's a great athlete, and there's no doubt about it, but if you've got a, a, a point guard that can't put the ball in the basket, it's an issue in today's day. I mean, it's not, a lot of times it's not even near the basket. Not even some close. Of, some of the shots he shoots. And that and form is broken. It's broken. He it's shoots broken. that thing from the left side. <laughs> yeah. There, there's all sorts of reasons, but if you want to just focus on one, I'm with you. That's it got, You got it. In, the, in today's game, you have to have – a guy who can distribute, but he, you can't have a, an absolute just uh, weakness at shooting the basketball. Now, i got to tell you, I am not a fan of, of LeVar Ball per se, but I do think the man is brilliant. Oh, there's no question. He uh, got that guy picked number two in the NBA draft. He got draft. that guy picked number two, and all the buzz. It's crazy because it's like he's gone and jumped in a hole now. You never hear a thing about him anymore. because his other two kids are not uh, – no. Good. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> they're not uh, good. It's crazy. I was at an AAU event early, early, early in the whole ball situation, and he created his own AAU team, and they played all of the shoe company teams, and it was an absolute, just that alone was an absolute circus. I mean, they had the little guy, LaMelo, at the time, he he probably was like sixth, seventh grade playing with all the seniors in high school. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, an, and he was shooting from half court. And it was it was incredible. I wish that was something that I would have taped because it was it was a circus. Yeah, that guy's a piece of work. He's kind of the but brilliant. I'm with you. Totally 100 percent brilliant from a PR standpoint. PR standpoint. Yep. Amazing because he got everybody talking about him. You know, and the the old adage that there really is no bad publicity. I mean, that's arguable, but he got everybody's attention and got everybody for that period of time talking about him. He hand-selected the team that he wanted his kid to go to and got and him got picked it. number yeah. two. I mean, it didn't work out for anybody else. Just said, no, we're going to the Lakers. That's happening. It, it, it really and it happened. <laughs> what? Yeah, and now that thing is absolutely blown to smithereens. You know, it's just crazy. I know. I'm just waiting to hear from LeVar again. Can you imagine when LeVar, if, if they go to New Orleans, a, a small market like that, where his voice is just going to be that much louder in that small of a market? I mean, I'm sure David Griffin's like, man, I don't. Of course you want to include Lonzo in the deal. Of course you do. You should be paying me to take that guy. How great would it be if uh, they open, you know, he goes to go to New Orleans and they open a little restaurant there on Bourbon Street and serve drinks out of all of the shoes that they didn't sell. (laughs) Lavar's. The ones that didn't fall apart when, when we're out there. Yeah, I'm sure glad I didn't fall for that and buy those. You know, he he went a bridge too far. When this went, soup's a little chewy. <laughs> <laughs> he went a bridge too far when he went to Nike and said, if you want all three of my sons, you've got to take all three, and we want a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Okay, where do we sign? Let me think. Let, hmm. hmm no. Going through a tunnel. Sorry. <laughs> Lost you. <laughs> but, I mean, he was okay at UCLA. I mean, they were all right. They were a tournament team, but it, it, it's not like – it's not like he was unbelievable at UCLA. I couldn't believe he got picked number two. No, I was shocked, too. I was shocked. All right, uh, we'll get to uh, Bob Casper is going to join us coming up right around the corner. We'll talk a little U.S. Open golf. Have you had a chance to, uh, have you had a chance to play Pebble Beach? I have never played Pebble. I'd uh, love to do it, but I've never played Pebble.
I've driven past it, walked it, you know, walked along the beach and looked at it, but never played it. I'd love to play it too. I haven't, I haven't played anywhere nice. Yeah, me neither. This week. Oh, wait. Pelican. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. A player who needs to be used more, needs to be better used to suit the team's needs to then lead to greater success, I think it's Zach Moss. I think we can all agree was not used in the best way that he could have been used. Nine games he played, he only had four with 20 or more touches, and the Utes were 3-1 and one in that stretch. Zach Moss needs to have 20 touches a game. He is that good of a player that you need to give him the ball 20 times a game minimum. Him. And I think he was misused in that way last season. Give him more touches. Let him run all over the place. Let him take the system where it needs to go and stay healthy, I think are my wishes for Zach Moss. And I think the youths will benefit greatly from that. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This U.S. Open update live from Pebble Beach is presented by Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Barbecue Pit Stop on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe sitting in for Gordon today. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, giving us a little U.S. Open preview live from Pebble. He's the one and only hear him every Saturday morning on Real Golf Radio. He's Bob Casper. Hi, Bob. Hey, how you guys doing? Not as good as you, Bob, because you're living the dream right now. Tough life you lead. You know, know, radio has its perks. We all get an opportunity to to do some fun stuff and that kind of thing. So being at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, that's absolutely a fun thing to do. Bob, hit us with kind of the buzz going around the media right now. What are, what are the storylines everybody's talking about? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's a couple things. You know, it's the players. It's guys like Dustin and, and Rory and uh, Brooks Kepka, Tiger. Um, those guys, you know, those guys are all the, the top four guys right now as far as betting favorites are concerned. And uh, to see what they're going to do. Then how the golf course will play, of course, Um you know, are they going to dry it out too much? Or are they going to try to trick it up at all? Or are they going to keep it as a, as a difficult test with the rough and everything and, and let, the guys, let the guys play and see what happens? Um, I think uh, it's going to probably be a little bit more like that. I mean, the rough's up. The, the greens are fast. The golf course is getting firmer. Um, the, the weather conditions are going to be pretty good, you know, mid to low teens. Um, or mid to low sixties, excuse me, and um, and I think I think the golf course is going to hold its own, and I think it's going to be a great championship. A lot of talk about uh, Kepka being able to just continue to string great performances together in majors, um, and and certainly is one that, as you talked about, is is a favorite. Um, what what makes uh, Pebble unique for a guy like Kepka, who you know is just a bomber. Um, is it is it play to his strengths, or is uh, is is there something that in his game that uh, that Pebble will will uh, offer some real challenges? You know, what's interesting about Pebble is it's not necessarily a golf course that you need to bash it around and hit it, you know, crazy long on. Um, one of the guys talked about that we had on the show, I think it was a caddy, said, uh, 
you know, you don't you don't need a sledgehammer or a pebble. Uh, you need to be an artist. And so um, <clears throat> I think the guys that hit it long will probably rein it back a little bit. They'll take the driver out when they need it, but I, I don't think they'll hit it more than four or five times, maybe six times in a round because the golf course doesn't call for that. What this golf course calls for is hitting it in the fairway um, and then a, and then being able to attack the golf course from that point. It, it's a second-shot golf course because the greens are really, really, really small. Um, case in point, the PGA Tour averages 5,500 square feet for their greens on that they play on tour. This golf course, the greens are 2,500 square feet. So they're about almost half the size. Um, and because of that, <clears throat> and because of the, the texture, the poana grass and that kind of thing, and getting it around the greens that have a lot of slope in them, um, and if you miss a green, it's going to be difficult to get it up and down because the ball can get away from you that, that much that much quicker. So um, I, think, I think the long guys are going to have to temper their, um, their play a little bit. This isn't a golf course, I think, where you just kind of hit it as far as you can, and if it's in the rough, it doesn't matter. Now I can hit it on the greens. I don't think that's the way it is. So a guy that, uh, that has had success here that's, uh, that understands to hit fairway, how to hit fairways and uh, keep the ball in play off the tee um, and then be able to go after it um, from, from the fairway is, is the guy that's going to play well this week. Bob, how's Tiger's health, and how's he playing leading into this? Well, his health is good. Um, he, you know, between the Masters and the PGA Championship, he took a bunch of time off um, and uh, kind of relished uh, that opportunity to win another major and get his 15th. Um, he did play the PGA Championship, was supposed to play um, in between that at, at the Wells Fargo Championship, but didn't play. And then wasn't feeling well the week of the PGA Championship and said that he, he just wasn't ready and prepared to play. So he played Memorial a couple weeks ago, and he finished top 10, shot 67 in the final round, and felt like his game's really ramping up into shape. Uh, gave himself a week off, and, and here he was early here at Pebble Beach um, on the grounds, um, practicing, um, playing nine holes each day, and uh, and finishing up today to get to get his preparation ready for tomorrow. And he tees off, I think, at like two or three or two or four tomorrow afternoon Pacific time. One one group in one group behind Tony Finau. So we talked about the favorites. Um, maybe throw some names out there of what you call dark horses, uh, particularly for a guy like me who might or might not have a a pool uh, that I, I need to get in before. <laughs> uh, nine o'clock tonight. What are what are some names? Uh, maybe some dark horses that you would throw okay. out there. So here's here's some good guys. I, I I think Tony Tony Finau would be a great one to pick. Tommy Fleetwood would be a great one to pick. Uh, Justin Rose, he's twenty two to one. He'd be a great one to pick. Ricky Fowler, he's twenty five to one. Um, I would also pick a guy like Matt Kuchar. Um. He's the kind of guy that understands how to get the golf, golf ball around the golf course. I would also pick another guy like uh, um, maybe uh, Jim Furyk. He's been playing some great golf this year. Um, so those are some names that I would look at right now. Um, but, you know, maybe a guy like Zach Johnson, too. Uh, guys that aren't too particularly long, 
as far as a dark horse is concerned, but guys that understand how to get the ball in the fairway. And, uh, and you'll see those guys contending this week as well. Um, so, um, those are, those are kind of my dark horse guys. Bob, give us a, give us a little look at the history of the U S open at Pebble beach and what type of golfer usually plays well. Okay. So in 72, Jack Nicholas won. Um, and then the next winner at Pebble Beach was Tom Watson, and that was he was followed by Tom Kite. Uh, all three of those guys Hall of Famers. Uh, Kite was followed by Tiger Woods in 2000 when he shot 12 under par and, uh, and eclipsed the field. I think second place was uh, Ernie Els and Jose Maria Olazabal at three over par. Tiger won by 15 shots. Um, and then the last time we, they played here, uh, Graham McDowell. So the first three guys that played it were Hall of Famers. The fourth one is definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Graham McDowell, I don't know that he'll make it into the Hall. But um, it's a golf course that, yeah, you, you know, guys that that have some distance, but, but guys that are patient. This golf course is a golf course that, where you have to be patient. Like I said, hit fairways, hit greens, make a lot of pars, and try to eliminate the big numbers, the double bogeys, that kind of thing. Because you can come back a little bit from – from just regular bogeys, but, uh, but you, you know, and there are some birdie holes, um, but there are some very difficult holes. The second hole is par, normally a par five, but it's played as a par four in the U.S. Open. It's 516 yards. Uh, the, let me see, what is it? The ninth, ninth hole is 526 yards, um, and that's a par four. The tenth hole is another one that's pushing 500 yards, and that's a par four. And then eight's a really, really difficult hole. So that from eight, nine, and ten, that that stretch of holes are extremely difficult. But the guys that the guys that win this golf tournament and win the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach are some of the best players that you will see in the game. Um, and uh, and it, I I think it's going to be one of those guys, one of those great players again that's going to win this week. Bob, Jack, uh, Jake, and I were just talking uh, in the leading into this or, or off the air about uh, some of the better golf courses we've ever played, and certainly the lore of Pebble Beach uh, is is really almost second to none. What makes Pebble so special? Well, I think it's it's the layout, it's the history of the golf course, um, it's that it's right on the Pacific Ocean. Um, the views, it's, it's not only a beautiful golf course as far as looking at the golf course, but what, what makes it crazy cool is, is the ocean being right there and you being able to see that, the ocean from every hole. You see it from every hole except for number one. Number one's kind of back in, in the trees a little bit and, uh, and, and closer to like the, the clubhouse and the pro shop and that kind of thing. But once you get out past number one and you get on two, you see nothing but ocean the rest of the way around the golf course. Uh, it's a golf course also that doesn't come back to the clubhouse at, at the ninth hole. It continues to go um, and, and weave its way all the way out to, to number 10 um, and to the south. And then, it, and then it starts to come back from 11 all the way back through the 18th hole. But the beauty of the golf course with, a, with the sea and, and the land that the golf course is built on, that's what makes this place special. All right, Bob, give us your top three U.S. Open host courses. Top three U.S. Open host courses. Okay, I would say um, one of them is Pebble Beach. 
Um, one of them is Shinnecock, and the other would be um, Winged Foot. Okay. How many is this for you, by the way, U.S. Opens you've been out there and covered? Oh, shoot. We've, uh, I think we've covered every one for the last 17 or 18 years. Yeah. Wow. That is that's so, awesome. That's a good gig if I'm you can get it. very jealous. Are you going to play, Bob? Yeah. Are you going to get in the media round? We already played the media round three and a half weeks ago on a Wednesday. How'd it go? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the rough is up. <laughs> it was difficult. Um, but uh, but it, and, and it's the first time I've ever played the golf course. In all the years and all the golf I played, I've never played at Pebble Beach before, and this was the first time I've ever played it. And uh, it was phenomenal. It was a great day. It was probably about 70 degrees, upper 60s to, to low 70s, and sunny with just a little bit of wind, and it was perfect. The next day it kind of rained, and Tiger, Tiger came in the next morning and uh, played 18 holes before he went to go play at Memorial. So, um, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a special place, and it was a lot of fun. One of the, uh, as an aside, uh, Bob, one of the highlights of my young, younger life, uh, actually got invited to play in your dad's golf tournament at Riverside, uh, uh-huh. and ended up playing with uh, guys at Mr. Mac, and and they, your dad played with us, um, and I was so nervous, obviously playing with. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know what he they was, call that? What's that? They call that they call that casparitis. Yeah, casparitis. <laughs> I'm sure many yep. other felt it as well, but I couldn't. Yes, they I, mean, have. I could not. Uh, you know, he he was so kind, and I was early on really nervous, and he was talking me through it. And then uh, he, he, I actually used a tip yesterday in a scramble that he gave me. Um, I was playing with a couple awesome. guys that were having a hard time getting the ball airborne, and I don't know. You probably saw him in the middle of the fairway. He'd make a little tee, you know. He'd slap. The, oh yeah. He'd slap the wedge and get the ball a little bit higher, so it'd be easier to hit. Uh, but it was yep. just—it was an awesome afternoon and one that I'll always, uh, you know, remember fondly. That's great. That's great. He, you know, he enjoyed—he enjoyed being with people. He enjoyed playing, playing golf with people, and uh, and he enjoyed just just being with everybody. That was one of the things that he did extremely well. Well, Bob, we certainly appreciate you jumping on. As always, all your coverage from out there, it's its always terrific, and we'll be dialed into Real Golf Radio Saturday morning. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Bob. Bob Casper giving us a little preview of the U.S. Open uh, going down to Pebble Beach starting tomorrow. And, of course, Bob and Brian will be on throughout the day tomorrow and Friday. Give us leaderboard updates. Tell us who's uh, playing well. And uh, and give us the insight on what exactly is going on. All right, right now it's time for the Uinta Golf Giveaway. Be caller twelve right now eight five five three four zero zone. If you are uh, the twelfth caller, we're going to assign you a golfer. If your golfer wins the U.S. Open, you're going to get a brand new pair of golf shoes, the same brand as the winner uses this week at Pebble Beach. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% guarantee. Any idea if we're giving away a heavy hitter, Austin? So we've got uh, two left out of the 30 in the field to give away. Everyone's been given away except these two guys. One of them has won before several times. Okay. The other is a perennial favorite. 
So we're, we're, we've got a couple of heavy hitters there we're giving away right now. Mark Leishman and Gary Woodland okay. are the yeah. golfers That's here. That's not so bad. They have, they have shots with this. All right, 855-340-ZONE. Call in now, 855-340-ZONE. I'm rooting for Kepka. I want to see I want to see the history. I want to see the third would, one in a row. That would be awesome. Uh, I think, you know, the whoever gets Leishman, I think he wears sandals. So uh, no, I'm just joking. Not, not. I, used to, I used to play golf in flip-flops. It's not easy. Oh, it's so easy. What are you talking about? It's not bad. Whoever takes last place this week, Jake will give you a pair of his flip-flops so you can play around a golf. Or game. used golf shoes. I had, a, I had a buddy who played barefoot. That was his thing. Until he buried a tee about a quarter inch into his heel. <laughs> then he stopped. stopped we playing. all do such stupid things, don't yeah, we? We do. Mm-hmm. I used to have a pair of golf, like, you know, the Tiva sandals? I oh, used yeah. to have a pair of those, those that were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they had the golf spikes uh-huh. on the bottom. Uh, but now I just use lame old golf shoes. I should go back to the flip-flops. The reason I did it is because you can't take yourself too seriously when you're playing golf in flip-flops. So it's tough to get like mad at a bad shot because you're like, well, I'm the idiot out here in flip-flops. Yeah, I, I never get mad anyway. I, my line always is, I'm so glad we don't have to do this for money. You know, I, I'm glad we're not, this is not our profession because that certainly with my ability, I wouldn't, things would be very, very slim. Well, unless you're playing for a couple of Snickers bars with the Jimmer on Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's totally different. Yeah, different. I'm talking your livelihood. Different thing in general. In fact, Jimmer Fredette, if you missed it, he was on with us uh, at the top 3 o'clock hour. He was great. Uh, Austin's got that up at 1280thezone.com. In fact, he picked our band of the day. So yeah. thanks to Jimmer for playing along. He's coming into town. Got a three-on-three tournament going on on Saturday. So it's cool that he's still uh, uberly active in this community. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's... Like we talked about, unbelievable guy that that really does care about uh you know his his path and, and the you know doing great things for families. All right, coming up right around the corner, we've got the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe sitting in for Gordo today. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. We were talking about the Movie Zone earlier today and Austin's poll question for this week. Austin and Adrian, Movie Zone. Catch it Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays right here on the Zone Radio Network. You caught the Movie Zone? I have caught uh, pieces of it, yeah. Those guys do a good job. They do a that's great job. That's more than Gordon Monson's ever caught. It, so. That's true. We'll take it. Yeah, I was listening the other night. You guys were reviewing a Disney show or talking about an upcoming Disney show or something. I can't remember. Probably. They have a lot of them. Yeah. You know, we just told Austin and Adrian, we said, hey, guess what? You guys, uh, you're doing a, movies, a movie show. Good luck. 
next hour. Yeah, <laughs> very little direction. Have you seen a movie? You're qualified. There you go. No, you guys do a great job. And they like built it. that show and do a great show. It's great. It is. It is a great show. It's Siskel a, it, and Ebert, modern day. It's a, the staple. You know what I like about it? It's not pretentious. You know how most uh, most movie reviewers are, are super and, pretentious. Right. They're just us going to movies and. I would think Adrian might be pretentious, but Austin's not. He's just a. He's just a good dude. Adrian's a little bit on the pretentious side, but not yeah. too, but not obnoxious. Not obnoxious, so. yeah. yeah. And Austin's just Adrian fits his generation, and I fit my generation. Are you the same age? No. Oh no, I'm like twelve years his senior. Oh, okay, so. but you're both millennials. No, I've kind of, I am by association. <laughs> All right, so tell us uh, your your poll question this week. Sure. Your three best Samuel Jackson movies? Your three favorite Samuel Jackson movies. Not necessarily roles, but movies. What uh what's the inspiration for the poll question this week? He uh Shaft is uh being oh, yeah. reheated and shoved down our throats again. So I get, saw get the, excited for that. I saw the preview for that at, at a movie I went to and I was thinking, you know what? I don't I don't know. Yeah, we were supposed to have Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft, on he's the, in movie the movie too. He's in the movie too, right? Yep, all of them are. Uh, and uh, he canceled on us, so he's dead to us. So, so yeah. Give us a little Shaft song, will you? Little- Shaft! <laughs> That's pretty good. That's all I know of. That's all you know? I thought he's- that was Flash. Flash. <laughs> oh. What is it? Uh, he's one bad mother. Shut your mouth. Just talking about Shaft. Isn't that it? Yeah. I've never seen the show or any of the movies. The bad thing is, you know, you're getting old when you've you've seen like the TV, the movie, the movie. You've got it all. Yeah, it's just I'm getting up there, man. There you go. That's a good riff. That is a good riff. It's no party hounds. The party hounds could cover this, of course, easily. Yeah, right. Plus, doesn't doesn't he just talk the lyrics? Uh, pretty much as Isaac Hayes it does. So good. Was he the guy on South Park? He was, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Yep. Chef. Chef. Yeah. We had to do like a karaoke segment. No, no. You, Not with you, us. You like, and Austin caller karaoke. You know we did that back oh, in the day uh-huh. with Kevin Graham. You remember I thought Kevin? I was so smart. Mm, we did Kevin's karaoke, where all you had to do was be better. Come than on, Kevin. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me a break, Gordon. All right. Well, I still have to think about uh, my favorite Samuel L. Jackson movies, I suppose. But it did remind us of a great clip, which you have not heard. So it's going to give us an excuse to play it. Here's Samuel L. Jackson going on, you know, morning TV, uh, morning Hollywood TV or whatever. And uh, uh, this going incredibly wrong. All right, Austin. I, I tell you what, you working for Marvel, the Super Bowl commercial. Did you get a lot of reaction to that Super Bowl commercial? What Super Bowl commercial? Oh. You know what? I've been my mistake. I, you see, know what? See, you're you're as crazy as the people on Twitter. Right. I'm not Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> That's my fault. Oh, I know boy. that. That was my fault. Uh, my mistake. You know what? We oh. don't all look alike. Flog, you're exactly we may be right. all black and famous. You are we all guilty. Don't look alike. I am. I I am guilty. Um, I am question. I am guilty. He thought guilty. you were Bob Dylan. Right. <laughs> you're the entertainment <laughs> reporter. I know. I'm done you're the mind. entertainment reporter right. for this station. Flog. And you don't know the difference between me and Lawrence. My my mistake, uh, my mistake. I apologize. Uh, really, my big mistake. Let's talk about. That must be uh, a very short line for your job. I'll say it. No, oh. there's a, there's a, there's a, it probably would not be hard to get another person to sit right here. Let's talk about Robocop. Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, really? Oh. 
My, I apologize. My, I'm the other guy. But, I'm the other guy. The I other know. one. What's but, in your wallet? Right. <laughs> that's it. Oh, 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 exactly right. Oh, oh, There's more than one black guy doing a commercial. Oh, there it is. No question about that. Uh, I'm the two, what's in your wallet black guy. Okay. He's the car black guy. There it is. Morgan Freeman is the other credit card <laughs> black guy. You only hear his voice though, so there. you probably won't confuse him with Lawrence yeah. Fishburne. You're exact. You're out. You're 100 percent right. Uh, to Robocop. There's you a heavyweight black guy that's like putting cash down in the seats in a in a baseball stadium. But he's also the black guy that turns off the house, the water, and the lights when his kid tells him the house is cool. I'm not that guy either. <laughs> do we want to do a list of all the people that you're not? To the original, and I'm the uh, only black guy in RoboCop that's not a criminal, okay. other than Michael K. White. <laughs> were you a, were you a fan of the Peter Weller version? Uh, yes. <laughs> I love RoboCop. Well, I tell you what, it's obviously a great cast, and this director does have some extraordinary credits. As, as, you do as he... know who they all are, though, right? Yes, I do. I mean, just in case they have some of them on the show, <laughs> do I some work. I won't make the do same mistake. Do some as... research. Make you know sure what? you don't confuse them with those other white actors. That are <laughs> like, this is a well-deserved spanking. Thank you for it. Well, I tell you what, it is going to be... I'm sorry for interrupting you. Go not, ahead. Not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> They're pushing us along, and I'm probably going to get spanked in the most extraordinary way with, uh, with good reason. I'm the what's in your wallet guy. That is so You're the entertainment reporter? (laughs) That might be the best part. There's not a long line for your job, is there? (laughs) What commercial? (laughs) You think I'm Lawrence Fishburne? Oh, it's so funny how the guy is just dying to move on. The guy's, but Robo, can we please talk about Robocop? Please. No, you thought I was Morgan Freeman. So I've got Newsweek. Uh, they they put the you saw that the top twenty Samuel Jackson movies. Oh no, I didn't see this. No. So is Dennis Haybert in any of them? Or? Um, the Allstate his, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro Serrano. That's exactly his top. The top three on here are Django Unchained. Ooh, he was good in that. Do the right thing. Haven't seen that one. And Pulp Fiction. Oh, it's great. Two out of three I've seen, and they're both terrific. Yeah. So that Django Unchained was a violent. You hate him in Django Unchained. Oh yeah, sure. He was snakes on a plane too. He was snakes on a plane guy, and he somehow weaseled his way into the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Mace Windu. Didn't they just write apart from him for him because he said he was a big fan? Because he's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, right. And then he was in like three of them. And the Lego Star Wars uh, franchise and the video game franchise, all that. He's in the three we all try and forget, though, right? The three movies we try and forget? Oh, the Star Wars. The three Star Wars movies we try and forget? Mm -hmm. The last one Big George was involved in, the last three? I've never seen them. Any of them? No, I've seen the old ones, not the new ones. Uh, Some of the Disney ones are not bad. I thought the Han Solo movie was better than everybody was talking about. I thought so, too. See, that's where Adrian gets pretentious on the movie zone. Right, uh, that he won't uh, open his mind mm-hmm. to any of that. The the one you really loved, uh, the side one, what was that one called? Rogue uh, One. Rogue One. Best thought, Star Wars movie of, it, of all. I thought I got to jump back into that stuff. Rogue One was really good. There's a couple of the the other ones were all right, but. That was classic right there. Two and a half minutes of just sheer comedy. <laughs> I've, I feel so bad for the dude interviewing him. Oh, gosh. Okay, but you, you are the L.A. entertainment reporter. I mean, really, 
we should understand who Samuel L. Jackson is and who he is not. I mean, I think Sam had a point there. You're the you're the entertainment reporter. Might be my favorite Samuel L. Jackson role of all time. That might is, be that. That, that is awesome. Yeah, that might be it. All right, we'll have more coming up next. We'll talk more NBA basketball. Big college story out there today. We'll run it by Tim. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I'll see you all, Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.